Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. So welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm so excited about today's episode. I honestly thought it was going to be really hard to find somebody that would talk to me about this. So I'm super grateful for our guest today. Um, So just to get us started off, I just want to make sure that if you're reading the description talking about contractors versus employee mindsets, this is not an episode on the which should I hire. We already did that. That's last. That's like last week's news. Like it's over. We also have 500 blogs about it and I talk about it on everyone else's podcast. So we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about the people side of things. What we focused on a lot so far is the operation side. And now we're going to talk more about the people and how to understand the mindset of the people you're bringing onto your team, helping you to put them in the right seat, even if that seat doesn't exist in your company. So your job as a leader is not just to delegate, confirm the task is done and move on to the next. It's actually to have a deeper level of understanding between how your team works, how to get the best results from them, and to balance that with the culture that you want to build working in your business. So this makes business leadership an inevitable combination of natural abilities that you might have, which our guest does have, shout out, um, and the learned skills that come with working in this type of environment over time. The reason I wanted to bring that up is because leadership isn't just the buzzwords that are out there. We hear leadership, leadership, blah, blah, leadership, but business leadership is actually something totally different. And it's more nuanced and there's more layers to it because it involves the feelings of other people. So people often think that firing someone or not retaining an employee is the worst thing to happen to your team, but actually the negative impact is exponentially higher, sometimes thousands and thousands of dollars higher, maybe even losing other people on your team that are in the right seat. When a person is trying to fit somewhere that isn't best for them, best for their skill sets, or even their own overall goals. So one thing that comes up often is the mindset differences between an employee and an entrepreneur. And The main thing that we want to talk about today is as a leader, how we can learn to identify these differences and help manage our team member into the best fit for them. So we're going to talk to Jordan today a little bit about the process of learning those key differences through practice. Um, And I do want to just make sure and shout out that while this isn't necessarily going to reflect everyone's experience of working with transitioning contractors over to employees, it is something that we have a little bit more control over than we actually think. So this is meant to be really impactful. And if you are a contractor, I think you'll be nodding your head a lot back when we're talking a little bit about how contractors really want to be treated. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Jordan. So Jordan Shanda King is a serial entrepreneur and expert on all things scaling and operations. Since first diving into entrepreneurship a decade ago, whoa, um, she has published a book, founded multiple businesses, successfully sold a business, and built a multiple six-figure agency from scratch in less than a year. Jordan's agency, Easy Scaling, employs a team of over 20 expert implementers specializing in operations, tech, design, copywriting, and and more. And I can testify to that, the and more. Um, Together, they help female coaches, agency owners, and service providers scale without burning out so they can build a successful 
or a sustainable business that they love. Successful comes along with that territory. But hi, Jordan. Welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So I am just dying to know, like literally, I cannot wait to find out the answer to this. But given that you have so much experience coming into this expedited process, and people can read more about that in the case study, um, I was just really curious what you think you brought with you from your previous experience into this kind of microcosm of building your business and your gigantic team and moving to employees and all that good stuff. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about this already uh, a few minutes ago. And I think for me, it comes, it comes down to communication. And I think because that's something that I kind of had to get good at, um, my background's in in nonprofits and higher ed and all kinds of crazy stuff. And communication is like something you can't get away from in that world and really in any world. But I think because of the positions that I had and what I did and like where my strengths lie, and we can talk about all of that, the communication piece and how I communicate and kind of my expectations around communication, I think have really helped, as you said, um, have helped me even get through this process because of how quick and expedited and kind of crazy generally it's been. And the fact that it's been layered on top of all kinds of other quick growth and, you know, life happenings and all of the things. So yeah, I would say communication. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes down to it, I think what we've observed and as we've been a part of your journey, but not I love the case study because it makes it sound like it's like all my fault that like you've had all this like success, but it's like, no, <laughs> it would have happened anyway. You just like kind of retweak things with our support, but um, got a shout out to Haley, the, <laughs> the case study expert for that. Yes. Um, but <laughs> in that process, I think one thing we've noticed is that there is just a different layer and level of professionalism that comes with how you treat this process, which we don't often see in the online entrepreneur industry. Um, how do you feel about yeah, that? That's it's so interesting that you say that because I, I definitely would never have described it that way. I wouldn't, I mean, I have high expectations when it comes to professionalism, but at the same time, I would describe myself more as someone who is very casual, like in all of my interactions with people, for the most part, on the client side, on the team side, contractors, employees, you name it. Like, I think I'm actually a pretty casual communicator. Um, but <laughs> what I what I do expect on the side of communication is like upfront, honest, like borderline radically transparent communication. And I think maybe that's why it comes off that way is because it's very it's very direct. It's very matter of fact. It's very rooted in like honesty and facts. And I don't really like to be around the bush about things. And so maybe that's maybe the, the way that that comes off to people is that it's like professional. Um, but I just see it as kind of being direct. Yeah. And I mean, I do think there's an element of that. And when I think there's a whole other episode about professionalism in general, when it comes to this stage of business, but I think that we find a lot of 
small business owners have bootstrapped a lot of things in a way and have been, were able to be relatable and casual and have these normal casual conversations. I mean, maybe even our like paradigms, whole business is built on turning HR into something that you can understand, like a conversation with a friend or someone you like a mentor or something like that. Um, but I think the big thing that we've noticed is that you give your employees and your team a lot of professional courtesy in regards to the way that you treat them. And in the context of this conversation, meaning the mindset of an employee to a contractor, the contractors that we work with can be super casual relationships, but just the same way that we want our team to show up in the correct role of where they're at, which we'll dig into more, employees do expect a different type of communication and a different type of professionalism when they're showing up to their boss's meeting with them or their one-on-one. And I think you've really been able to embody that in how you've managed your team, just in the sense of taking some things really seriously that maybe me, even as a contractor, wouldn't, like if you were, if we had a net 30 and you were out seven days late or something, it's kind of whatever, like we'll send you a ping, but like we all kind of expect that as like the part of business. But when you get an employee, like oftentimes they're counting on that $25 that they're missing to pay their mortgage on that date. There's not a lot of gray area. And I think that that's a lot of times why employees get a bad taste in their mouth working for online businesses is because they're not getting the professionalism that they've come to expect from, albeit shittier, but more professional corporate workplaces. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There definitely is more structure there's more structure in place in corporate, obviously, and like Mm -hmm. standard businesses, not necessarily what people experience in the online space. Um, and I don't know if that's maybe because my background is all in working in environments that are pretty bureaucratic, even though I, I don't like that. Um, but there's, it also makes me think of maybe just by the nature of like what we do for other business owners, like the, the standard that we hold ourselves to when we're working with clients that kind of feeds into our company culture. I think in that it is very, we have high, high expectations for people and there isn't like a lot of slack given. I mean, there is like, we, we understand people are people and mistakes will be made and like those types of things. But, um, I don't know. Maybe it's more like it's expectations, but it's like, um, follow through maybe like if you say you're going to do something you're that you're going to do it and you're going to do it how and when you said you were going to do it. And there's no gray area to me in that like realm. Yeah. There's a lot of accountability there. And I think when we're talking particularly about your business, I think it would be cool for you to kind of give us the 30 second overview of what it looks like to work with you as a client so that people can understand through this conversation why it was so important for me to have it with you, given that just the sheer volume of people you're working with and how you're working with them and that same exact sentiment through your team, the sheer volume of people you're working with and how you're working with them. So tell like, just like for anyone that doesn't know you, just like lay it all out. Here's how we show up for our clients and what we do. Yeah. Well, what we started doing is strategy and implementation, which means we are like, we are essentially, it's funny because when we when we first met, we talked a lot about like, are we competitors? Like, what's, <laughs> how do we like go together here? Um, because essentially what we do is, is allow business owners to kind of outsource a lot of their operations to an agency team that is, 
I mean, you said we have a team of over 20. I think now we're like right under 20, maybe at like 19 um, because of some changes we've made to the organizational structure. But um, we offer a lot of scope that we can like do actually implement on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, anything from like copy design, tech, admin, anything, really anything that someone would need done if they're a business owner, we can do in-house for them. And and so we are always juggling a lot of things and we're like running their business for them, you know? So there, there isn't, there isn't gray area on like dates and deadlines and like if they're expecting it, well, it's got to be done and it's got to be done well, or like that's on us, you know? So it's, I think because we kind of started with that as being what we do, then even the contractors who have transitioned to employees, they know to expect that, that, that that's how we operate. Mm-hmm. And in working with you, we've noticed that there is a really strong dedication and commitment to making sure that there is really solid SOPs or standard operating procedures across the board for how people interact with your clients, interact with you, even interact with their own work. Um, and one of the reasons that you decided that you had to move over and bring people over into more of an internal team is because you wanted to have more control over the execution of of your SOPs. Um, so I think one thing that people miss misconstrue is that you can easily translate one of your go-to freelancers or contractors into an employee position because they're already kind of doing it. You just need a little more from them. It's no biggie. Mm -hmm. Just like, come on in, I'll pay some of your taxes, but like, you know, from your perspective and I can see you shaking your head and laughing. So (laughs) just lay it, let's just get dive right in, like get it all out there. Like when I said that, what was the first thing that that came to mind? The first thing that came to mind is that you told me that you can't really do that. It's not easy to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like for other people, like my people for sure want to be employees, which I think I'm a little bit spoiled uh, with this because I do have someone who was a contractor who is now an employee who is continuing to grow. She's been promoted. She's gotten raises along the way. Like she is amazing. And my business wouldn't exist without her probably. So I know that it's possible, but I have now a lot more evidence uh, that it doesn't usually work out that way because I've tried to do that with other people on the team or even tried to hire, like bring on fresh people onto the team as employees from the contractor world. And it has not worked. Like it just, they are not, I need someone who's as invested in growing this business as I am, which is like a really high expectation that probably can't ever be, be met by someone but I need someone who's willing to try, like they're doing their best to like grow the business just as much as I am. And when you hire someone who actually is trying to grow their own business, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work usually. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that you say that there's, there's, it's not impossible. It is possible. And how you mentioned this isn't how it's going to be for me. My people are blah, 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 blah. It's not a reflection on the leader or the company if it isn't going to work for somebody to be an employee. I think we attach a lot of 
emotion to, well, if you're my employee, like you're in my bubble, like, don't you want to be with me in my bubble? And that's really not, I mean, yeah, of course, like at the end of the day, it feels really great. And you have your support team and there's a lot of extra energy and attention that goes to the development of those people and that commitment that you're taking on. But it's not a reflection of you as a leader or you as a manager or business owner, if somebody doesn't want to, it's really about them and their mindset. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking through this, what are some of the things that, and we want people to walk away with some tangible things they can look for when they're thinking about either changing over a contractor to an employee or what to ask in inter- in the interview and hiring process to make sure that you're identifying those characteristics. What are some of the things that you've seen that have maybe you've changed your mind on who you can bring in onto some of those roles over the last six months or so? Yeah. So honestly, if I had to look at like one one indicator, like one key indicator that this is like, this is held true for pretty much everyone. When it did work out, this is what it looked like when it didn't work out. That's consistently what it worked out or what it looked like. Um, it would be how they actually show up and perform. And when I have an employee expectation for someone like they're in an employee position, I expect them to be, you know, working every day and like responding quickly because this is their job. This is their actual job. And I expect them to act that way. And we've all had jobs for the most part. I'm guessing everyone who's listening has had a job before. And you know that you're usually expected to like go to the place and do your work during a certain amount of hours. And like, if your boss sends you an email and asks you to do something, you respond and then you like do it when you're supposed to. That's just like a basic expectation, I think, of an employee and and a job. And Whenever I have had people who, and this isn't to say that they didn't do a good job at what they were doing. It was more the way that they were interacting with me in that they weren't as quick to respond. Um, There were maybe, there would be a day where I wouldn't hear from them all day. You know, like those are not normal things that, that you would, that would be appropriate in a job setting, you know? So those types of things, even if they're classified as an employee, if they're still acting like a contractor, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. And truthfully, they aren't meeting the expectations. So if the job description, which yours are very thorough, are outlining the expectations of, you know, response time within 24 hours. And those are the things that were actually driving your decision to make this investment and bring people in as employees. Because bringing an employee on your team is an investment. It might not always cost the same as hiring a specialist. Maybe sometimes it will, depending on the role. It's all over the board. But it is an investment. You're paying for some of their taxes. You're paying for insurance. You're paying for sometimes equipment. You're paying for benefits, perks. You're also paying through energy. And we have another episode coming out about that too. Leadership isn't just delegating tasks and saying, great, now I have five more hours today. It's you, There's an exchange of energy there for the person. So if you're showing up and investing in them, then you want the same thing back. And so it always boils down to you're just not doing your job if you're not showing up the way that you're supposed to as an employee. And sometimes yeah. it can be that simple. And I'm a really good example of this. I as some people know, I technically have a full-time job. I work as a COO for local businesses here in San Diego. I work there as my business has grown. I've 
changed my hours to working there one day a week. And my boss is pretty cool. I have more of an equity partnership with him now, but you'll notice that I'm not just a standard employee. I get paid commission on sales. I have been there for 10 years. I'm on the business development side. So the more the business does, the more money I make. So I'm incentivized in that way, more as a sales employee than anything else. And I always joke with people. I'm like, I mean, if I have an extra 20 minutes in my day, even on the day that I'm at that office, I'm going onto Instagram or I'm returning one of Jordan's Slack messages. I'm looking at my business and my passion and what I'm growing because I'm an employee there, but I'm first and foremost an entrepreneur. And this is where my passion is. And my boss knows this. And he's probably going to listen to this and be like, I know. But at the end of the day, it's we have an open communication there. When you're hiring an employee that's coming in as an entry-level employee, that relationship is not established. That is not going to work. Like You want that person's extra 20 minutes to be like, I'm going to figure out how to streamline this process for this client, or I'm going to go through these compliance regulations for Maryland because I know that Jordan's interviewing two people from Maryland next week. And I want to make sure she knows what's going on with that. You know, yeah. I want my employee to think of those things. And I think that's the, the big changes in feeling true support is knowing that that extra time is going to something for your business. We call it discretionary effort through our management training yep. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I see that in, in the contractor that transitioned to an employee and it's working out and she's amazing she does that. She goes above and beyond. Like she's invested. She is actually invested in not only our clients, but in the success of this business. And, and she's, I remember she said many times when she was still a contractor, like, well, I I would love if I didn't have to work for anyone else. I don't want to, I don't want to have other clients. I just want to work for you. And well, hello, like, great, (laughs) perfect. That's exactly what I want, you know? And so that's a very, like you said, that's a very different mindset and approach to your work. Yeah. And as a contractor, I mean, we, if you don't mind me saying, and we can cut this out, but you are one of our retainer clients. And so we are working in a really close relationship over time, which sometimes can be exemplified by an employee in your business, but you don't need a full-time HR person on your team right now. You don't even need a part-time HR person on your team right now. So we can fill that hole with a contract position and the way that, cause we get a lot of questions about the retainer aspect of things. And I do think that I still approach the relationship as I'm a contractor and I stay within the timelines that we're committed to and, you know, whatever comes with our, um, contract and all of that stuff. But the difference is, I think that it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the professional communication and that when you're a contractor, I am free to make those decisions on how we communicate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my clients are going to be super pumped and happy about it all the time. So we as contractors actually have to think about that as radical accountability, not our clients like you as my client showing up and being like, actually, I need to set some time aside and invest some energy into telling you how to be better at your job. You know, if you have to do that, then that's an employee. So we can actually expect more from a lot of the contractors that we hire. You know, we can expect that them to show up and be the experts that we're hiring them to be. And most great contractors, and you have quite a few on your team, so I'd love to talk about that, will show up in that way. Um, So how have you seen that manifest with somebody that's a really kick-ass contractor that is a freelancer that shows up as one of your implementation people? What are some of the characteristics that you're seeing in really, really great contractors that are different from, I don't need them as an employee, but they're awesome at what they're doing and they're in the right seat for my business? Yeah. So 
very similar to how you're describing kind of our need on the HR side. That's often what our clients need from us is they need very specialized help, but they don't need very much of it. Right. So that's why it makes sense for them not to make this like a commercial for us, but like that's why it makes sense for them to work with us is because we have all of these 20, you know, specialists that they can tap into for one hour here, 30 minutes here for a LinkedIn strategy, or like have a redesign on this sales page in this like really obscure platform. Well, great. We have someone who's used that before. Like it's, it allows them to tap into really specialized knowledge and expertise without having to go find those people. And then hire them and then, you know, invoice them and like manage them and communicate with them. Like we do it all behind the scenes for them. So it's just a really unique setup. Um, And because of that, that means we have some really cool people with some really like special um, knowledge that I don't have to like, I don't have to micromanage them. If, If I'm setting someone up to go have a call with a marketing strategist to talk through a LinkedIn strategy, I don't have to micromanage that process. That person knows exactly how they do their job. They show up to the call and they do their, their thing and that's it. You know, I don't have to be involved. I don't have to guide the strategy on it. I don't have to do anything. So that's definitely, that's definitely different than if we're, you know, creating a new process and one of my employees is managing that for our client and the employee and and I are partnering together on the strategy and how we're going to tackle it. And they're asking questions and it's, it's more of a collaborative effort, I would say. Yeah. And to that, to that end, there is a level of premium service that comes with working for your business that is beneficial for your clients and also for your contractors. Your contractors are, they are, they have a desire to work for you as a contractor as much as you want them to. So they're, they're fighting for their space. Like, and the more I think they're just setting themselves apart from other people, that's kind of how they build up more hours and you're, even maybe strategizing services that you know they can deliver exceptionally well on that maybe you wouldn't have used before for your clients. So they're everyone's earning their spot based on their own merit, but it feels like you're not tell the big difference is you're not telling them or developing them how to get there and how to get to that no. point. No. Whereas you no. are with your employees. Yeah. Yeah. For what, sure. what what do you think is like the if somebody were to apply for a job in your company and you went to go, you know, do the, you know, perfunctory social media stalking. Um, what are some of the red flags that pop up for you that will give you after learning some lessons, you know, what are some of those flags that pop up for you where you're like, they're not a good fit, regardless of how like awesome they are, how much I like them. They're not a good fit because this is what I found. Yeah. Um, we essentially have a really hard line rule now that if you are trying to build a business or you own a business where you're like offering any kind of service that we also offer, it's not going to work out. And, and like, I think there's a place for that, for like, um, bringing people on who can complement what we do or like come in as a contractor. But when it comes to the employee side, it's just not, it's just, it's just not going to work out in the long term because these are people who want to have businesses and ultimately would be a competitive business in some way to what we offer. And I just can't like in good conscience and like comfortably for me as the business owner, bring someone into my world and like train them on all of the things that we do and how we do them, knowing that they're maybe not in it, you know? 
Uh, and we have gotten burned. We've gotten burned a couple times on that side. Um, and we're going through the process right now of hiring a new person. And we had over 300 applications for this job. And there were many, many applications that came in where people were actually saying like, oh yeah, I'm like growing my business and I'm really excited to learn from you as the CEO. I'm like, yeah, no, that's a massive red flag. I'm not going to pay you. Like you're essentially asking me to pay you like to teach you the things that people pay me to teach them. Like I can't, I can't mentor you on how to grow your business as a paid employee. And one person even made it to the second round. We must have not caught it because they got on a screening call with someone on our team. And they're like, yeah, I think I'm just going to like work for like a year or two for you all and just learn as much as I can. We were like, can you even hear yourself right now? Like, no, we're not going to invest so like all of this time and energy and effort into developing you as a perfect employee so that you can then go sell all these services to somebody else. Like it just doesn't make sense for us to, to do that. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. And we have a lot of people that come to us that are asking mostly about protecting their intellectual property and all the great ideas and stuff that they're building, which is so cool that it's so common in our space. Yeah. Um, but that's a huge benefit of having employees is that you can actually have some recourse in protecting the things that you're coming up with and protecting your brand more so than if you are, you know, we've have there's a big discussion about non-competes and stuff like that right now which is totally understandable but people are very wrong about what they're posting on instagram so i'll do an episode on it um but there it it does come down to us being accountable as leaders for who we're bringing on her on our team and and knowing those red flags to look for um yeah and i'm, I'm not like go ahead i was just gonna say especially in your line of work because there is so much gray area, like just in the way you were just talking about it, you're like, I don't want to mentor you to start your own business. But when I'm making the commitment to become your boss, we are mentors to them. Like they are yes. people that we're developing, but it's just not in that way. <laughs> you know, right. like there's no. a hard line. No, I can help you grow your business. You just need to pay me for it. That's like <laughs> what I do. Right. But, um, yeah. And it's not that I have like, such high expectations that I think none of my employees are ever going to leave. Like, of course I, I want to develop my employees and I know that there's a likelihood that they're probably not going to be with me for 30 years. Right? I don't know how long the business will exist or what it'll morph into or what it'll look like or anything, but ideally they would be around and in it for the long haul. But I, that's not, that's not like the required expectation up front. It's not like, Oh, well, if you don't commit to me for, you know, 10 years and I'm not going to hire you. No, but but I, but I think that people who are like the person who said that on the interview has clearly never owned a business and been looking for an employee because they, they probably, if they had, they would know how much of an energy intensive process it is and how much effort and time and trust and all kinds of things that it involves. Like there's so much time that I have invested even into just hiring for this position, let alone the amount of time and thought and care and development and all of the things and money that are going to go into training them to do all of these things and then ongoing development into them. It's a massive commitment from an employee, from an employer side. And if you've never gone through that, you, you just can't even fathom it. You know, like there's all kinds of stats about like, how much it takes to replace an employee or whatever, whatever, like the cost of turnover. 
well, holy shit, have I learned that lesson? It is, it's like almost daunting. And I don't say that to like, I don't know, scare anyone away from having employees, but like you need to know, and people who are applying for these positions need to know that this is like a very serious thing, especially for a company my size with the revenue that we have. Like we're early stage company. I don't have the luxury of risking this on another person who's only going to be around for a year. I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it always comes up when, you know, I think for your business, it's made exponentially more difficult just because of the nature of what you do and how much I remember when I heard about your business model back when we were trying to figure out if we were competitors or not, I was like, uh, this woman is hiring contractors to manage for other people. I would rather die like the (laughs) energy intensive, like moment of like realization of, oh my gosh, like Jordan is a person that's like, I'll hire a whole shit ton of people and then I'll make sure they do the work that makes your business great. Like that to me, I was like, oh, oh no, thank you. Like, <laughs> and that was kind of the moment where I was like, we are not competitors. Like, at all. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting too, because they, over the last year or so, we've found so many things in common where like, like our clients almost can bounce back and forth between the types of services that we offer. But truly, like we're you're just on another level, like the implementation of all of those strategies that I know from being an entrepreneur, like I think I just have a really unique perspective because I'm an entrepreneur and your HR person. So it's like there's so just like so much respect that goes towards that. And it's just like what you're providing for your clients is so high value and it really helps your clients stay in the headspace of running their business. So they're not taking on all that energy that you just described because while bringing contractors on is easy peasy one, two, three, it's still an energy exchange. So you downplay it a little bit. You're like, yeah, we handle it. We, that is not easy. And there are many business owners. One of our mutual friends actually just, um, told me the other day, she's like, how do you do these, this Dubsado workflow? I'm like, I do it. I think it's really interesting. She's like, well, I talked to Jordan and she said she made her own Canva graphics. And I just don't know how any of you are doing any of this stuff. Emma Louise, you know, and her like adorable <laughs> yeah. accent, she's like sipping tea, like being British, like, I don't want to do any tech, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> it's so funny. And it always makes me laugh. Cause it's like, we think as entrepreneurs, we want to put our hands in everything. Like, I'm like, Ooh, let me explore that. Let me see what that feels like, whatever. But there are plenty of entrepreneurs out there that don't want to put their hands in everything. And that's when they go to you. It's only that they, when they come to us and then they're realizing I need a higher level of commitment for people. And I'm ready to have that equal energy exchange and commitment with them. But we can't, we can't just, like I said this on, uh, Lauren brand good times podcast. I was like, you just can't turn a contractor into an employee in the same way. (laughs) What else have you seen out there in finding a person for this role? I know one of the big things is in a simple thing. And just as a tip for everybody is if you're able to post on a traditional employment website, like indeed versus on Instagram or through your own website, because you will attract people that are employee minded looking for employment in the traditional sense. Um, but what else have you seen? Um, out of the 300 applications that I didn't take your advice on and I actually reviewed myself instead of having (laughs) someone else screen, what did I learn through that process? (laughs) You you learned you're an entrepreneur and you got to put your hands in it at least once. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't help myself. Um, I don't, 
I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think, I think because like, we're still so deep in the midst of going through it that I haven't really even been able to like fully process what's happening. Um, I have been a little surprised at uh, the caliber of interviews or that uh, of applications that came through and not, not in like anything bad to say about anyone who's applied. It's just that I would say more than half, if not, I don't know. I don't even know how many, what crazy high percentage didn't answer all the questions. And and we put on there like answering all the questions is required to be considered. And still, I would say it's probably closer to like 60, 70% of people out of 300 did not answer every question. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, I said that was the rule. So like, I'm sorry. I can not even, even if you answered all of the questions, great, except for one, I'm not going to consider you. Like that was a hard line I had to hold. And I was just surprised seems like basic stuff yeah and I remember you saying like you were shook about it (laughs) and it's funny because it doesn't after I mean I've been doing hiring for small business hiring some entry-level positions and also using Indeed for a really long time and those screening questions I think as if you're if you're out in the industry looking for a high level specialist, then your specialist is going to show up to answer all those questions. Yeah. But employees are actually looking for a place to go and learn and get better and grow. So we're not always going to have the highest caliber person. But what we're looking for is the person that has the right mindset so that we can mold and develop them into exactly what fits in our business. So if you think about it, it's actually really great because those people just screened themselves right out because your role wasn't important enough for them to like fully commit to. And that tells us a lot about a person. I think another we do, especially because I, I think that we don't see this as much in online space because we get referred people or we, one person works with us for a long time, or it's really low volume of team members. So they don't have to do these types of screening processes a lot, but it's, I used to say that you never, ever want to go by the vibe of somebody that you're hiring or like how you feel when you're talking to them, because it kind of pushes forth a narrative of you should always hire people that you're comfortable with. And then all these businesses end up looking exactly the same and there's no diversity and stuff like that. But over the years, I've kind of leaned more into the nuance of it because for some of these positions, especially employees, and especially for the part-time like starter positions, it's it's a lot about the trust and the vibe. It's a Mm -hmm. lot about you're 25% of my employee team. I want it to feel good to talk to you. And I used to think that was like a big, huge no-no. And a lot of corporate advice will tell you, don't do that. You got to look on paper. You have to be unbiased. But real, and I think actually Meg will probably kill me for saying this, but we do want to strive to have diverse teams and lots of different experience coming in. But when we have such a small team, it's okay to make it a 60-40 based on how you feel and how you immediately trust the person that you're bringing in. And when it comes to contractors, like, that's an energy exchange. We don't have to worry about that much. They're going to deliver on what they're supposed to promise. But when it comes to employees, it can be so emotional. Like it's more emotional because you're talking about how you're feeling when you're talking to this person. And I think that's why, like you said, it's really daunting and you're not trying to move anybody away from hiring employees, but honestly, like it is daunting. And if you want your business to grow, you're eventually going to have to get an employee. It doesn't have to be terrible. You know, it can be pretty fun to think about these changes, but also when you have an employee, you get to decide how you want to feel when you're working with this person, what you want them to get better at, you know, stuff like that, which is super rewarding. Have you seen a lot of that? I know 
just in the pride that you talk about your employee that switched over from a contractor and how great they're doing. Why don't you talk a little bit about the rewarding side of having people be internal on your team and watching them grow over the kind of short period, but still chunky yeah. enough. Yeah. I, I mean, it is, it's, it's such a short time scale that we're talking about, you know, but I get, I, I feel rewards on both sides just because even though we are still very contractor heavy. A lot of my contractors have been around like since I started my business. So they're very loyal contractors. Um, there's some of them I actually wish I could hire, but they're international. And you told me that that is a nightmare. So I haven't delved into that process, but, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I get, I get reward and like feel the warm, fuzzy feelings just by like feeling that people are, um, reliable, <laughs> <laughs> and also that they're like invested in our clients. And and we just are very lucky to have that on both sides. Um, but on more of the employee side, I think it's more the, it's more the growth and like, I don't know, I'll say Andrea's name. Can I say her name? I mean, she won't mind. That's yeah. what I've been talking about this whole time. Everyone knows that I love Andrea and she's amazing and she's my unicorn. And I just talked to a new client this morning and she was on the call. And like, Andrea is the standard that we hold everyone to on the team because <laughs> she's amazing and she's always over delivering and she's always like looking for new solutions and coming up with ideas. And like, she is invested and that's part of what makes her so amazing. Um, but it's funny and I don't know if she'll remember this. Like I first hired her as like a tech and design person. And she hadn't even used, I don't think the main platform that we now use for almost all of our clients. I don't think she had used it at all. Um, and she is now probably like the most educated and knowledgeable on that platform of anyone on the team, contractors or employees. She knows all the ins and outs, you know? So it's just cool to see how much it's changed and that she was just doing like, oh, doing like some graphics and like learning this new platform. And now she kind of like runs projects that are related to that. And she's like the go-to person on the design side. And she's now in charge of all of our client management, all of our client services, all of our client experience. And she's been promoted now twice. Um, and it's just cool. I don't know. It's cool to see how much she's changed in this role and and how she brings a totally different, unique set of skills and expertise to the job and to our clients that she did literally a year ago. It's only been a year since she came on as a contractor, a little over, but I think that's really cool. And it's only been a year and she has so much marketable skills now and so much that she can take and run with in her own career should she choose to. And she won't. no, she's staying. <laughs> she's stuck. She's signed a contract in blood. Me. But not a real contract. We can't tell people they have Just employment kidding. contracts. No, Obviously but it's I... not a real contract. If it's <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, um, I do think that it's really cool that you brought up Andrea because Haley actually had her do her commentary on switching over from an employee to contractor in our case study too. So you can actually, uh, oh, read nice. a little bit about that. I know it was another Haley going over and above. Gotta love it. Um, and on that note, it's really some, I mean, it's like, I'm a broken record all the time. Like, this is not even like uh, like up until our first 10 episodes yet. And I probably have already said this a hundred times, but when you create a space like you did for Andrea, where she has freedom and flexibility and she, you built a, a back and forth of trust and accountability, then people will take that and run with it. And they will make the most out of the opportunities that you're giving them. And I know you're not, you know, 
super mushy, mushy person, but like you have changed her life and you have given her an opportunity to work in a place where she's not abused and she's not mistreated. And uh, one in three women get sexually harassed at work. And she's not going to have to worry about that with you protecting her space. And there is more impact than you're even recognizing in creating that environment for her to learn and grow. And just the fact that like you could stop your business tomorrow and she wouldn't have to worry about money because of everything that you've taught her and all the ways in which her life has been enriched. That's really rewarding. So if you haven't given yourself the pat on the back and I know this hasn't been, you know, like you said, when it's expedited, you don't get to see all these things, but there's nothing cooler than when you get an email from somebody in three years after they stopped working for you and you've changed them in some way, or you've impacted them in some way or something like that. And that's really why I do what I do is to put people like you in positions to help other people make their lives better through their work and not have to work in places that maybe we have had to work in, mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I think about this a lot too, because I, um, I plan for our team to grow and to have this business exist for a really long time and to continue to support our clients, but also the team that we build. And I was just telling someone today, I was like, you know, several of my employees will be air quotes full time, probably in the next six months to a year, but full time to me doesn't mean full time the way that it would mean to someone in even the nonprofit world or corporate, because I don't want my employees to have to work a 40 hour week from nine to five or whatever. Like, I don't want that for them. And that's part of what I hope to, that's part of like the experience of life that I hope to make possible for them. That's like really important to me because I don't want to do that. And I don't think they want to do that either. Like they have kids, they have families, they want to be able to be flexible and like be out running around and like, but check their phone if they want to like work on stuff or put it away or whatever. And they don't have to sit down at a desk for a certain amount of hours, or they don't have to, they could work a 30 hour week and still get benefits or something. And I just think that that's a really cool that's a really cool like responsibility and level of like power. Not like that sounds. Yeah. But, but it's, I think that's really cool as a business owner that you get to like set that you get to figure that out and like make it what you want it to be. And I don't know. I think. Yeah. And it's, I mean, not to get like too game of Thrones. Cause you're like, you know, talking about power and contracts and blood and stuff, but, um, <laughs> which I've never seen by the way. So I don't know what, you're about. what I want to dive into really quick is not only are you creating opportunities for people to grow within your business, but you've also developed and honed the skill of helping people realize when they're not a good fit for your business. It took a lot of strength for me to go against the advice or to not go against the advice of every marketing professional out there and talk about how we've had to sever relationships on your team as part of your case study. Because I think online entrepreneurs know having support in that area is really important, but you have had to make those decisions. And there's, like I said, in the introduction, sometimes finding and leading people is helping them find their way out the door as well. And the reasons why. So I know this probably is the part that you're most nervous about, but you have (laughs) severed some relationships and not to throw anyone under the bus, because I think we can agree all the people that have passed through on your team have been pretty great in their own way. Um, but what were some of those, can you talk a little bit about that experience and coming to those realizations and maybe things you learned from making those calls at the end of the day? Do you want to talk just about the folks that kind of, we initiated the separation, or we've also had a couple of people who have chosen to leave, um, 
after not that long of a time with us as employees that I think are almost just as interesting to talk about, like kind of the red flags we saw there. Um, but yeah, yeah. I could go either way. Yeah, both. I mean, either the cool thing about the way that you've built your structure is that your company is protected regardless of what the situation ends up being like for what's best for that person. So really, like if you were able to pick up on a few things that eventually had somebody self-terminate or, you know, resign, um, those are super interesting because we have to be able to anticipate those things as small business owners too. And then also the things that made you actually pull the trigger. You can talk about both. So on the first, on the first point about people who, who resigned, um, I'll just, I'll just mention one thing because I think it's interesting that they both, that I had this experience with both of them and then they ended up not working out long-term. Um, both of them at one point early on in the process of employment. So, so within the first probably 30 days came to me privately and said, Hey, I don't know if I'm a good fit for this role. And then, and like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm super comfortable with like this aspect of it. And we kind of tried to rejig things a little bit of like, okay, well, actually this person's going to do this part and you're going to do this part and we'll just see how it goes. And like, it's an experiment. We'll figure it out. And both of them, because I've never had anyone else come to me privately and say that both of them uh, ended up resigning and, and not working out over the long term. Uh, so I think that was kind of an interesting thing on, on the other side, speaking of vibes, um, I rely pretty heavily on vibes in like all aspects of my life. And usually when I've got a vibe, like gut feeling thing, and I go against it, it usually ends up biting me. And that's, that's been my experience, um, not to get like too woo woo about it, but with all of the people who, who I've had to let go or, you know, initiate like, Hey, I don't think this is like going to work long-term. There's been some type of vibe thing where I'm like, okay, I don't actually like, I either don't feel comfortable or confident or there's like issues that are like going off as red flags. And then I'm like logicking my way through it to, to like make it work. Um, or just kind of other things that, were just felt off in some kind of way that eventually came around to where like, okay, this isn't going to work. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. I, my team at my full-time quote unquote job always, they always called me like some kind of weird woo name because they can like walk in the office or an employee can walk in the office or send me an email. And I'm like, I give them 30 days. Like something's going on with them. I know they're going to quit. I know they're not invested. Or I'm like, hey, like, do you want to take action on this now? So it's not a nightmare in the middle of summer when we're super slammed. Like this person's not going to work out. And it's I I literally can't think of one time when I haven't been right. Um, And I think part of that is that you just develop these skills over time and you learn and you start sometimes you can't even like we might call them vibes but there are red flags that probably could be written down on paper it's just little Mm -hmm. things that pop up and you as you start to get experience you start to be able to screen through those things better and you know make those decisions over time one thing that comes up a lot in and I think this is a good thing to kind of end it on a little bit because so many of our peers are listening to this podcast and really interested in your experience is when you are so underwater and I have seen you like this, where you are so stressed and you are so overwhelmed and you are needing to work extra hours, extra time. You've got other stuff going on in your life. It can feel so impossible to also be able to pull out those red flags and to act 
on what your vibes and what your gut is telling you to do. Um, and I think a lot of the people that are listening to this are probably thinking it might be time for them to hire because they're feeling these feelings of overwhelm or being underwater. And those people either can hire you or they can hire us or some combination of both. But when you're in that state of mind, what have you learned about how to tune into those feelings and those vibes in order to make decisions that involve other people, whether they be contractors or employees. Mm -hmm. I think it's harder. I think it's way harder to make a clear headed decision about another person. If you're already so freaking stressed out that you just need them to do their job. (laughs) Yeah, this is tough. Um, I mean, because I can definitely resonate with like feeling like, okay, well, but I, I know I'm kind of going against my gut on this, or I'm going against what's going to be best in the long term, but I just have to do it this way to get through. That's almost always bullshit because it, it almost always just creates more problems. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I have any like practical advice, uh, any like tangible, anything related to this other than to like, just trust your gut. And it's going to maybe suck a little bit, but it's going to suck no matter what. Like if you're going against your gut, it doesn't, it's not going to be better in the short term term enough to make it worth it in the long term to like go against what you know you need to do. So I don't know. I mean, what are some of the situations you think people are in like specifically? I'm like, I mean, you really, honestly, you really answered the question because I wanted to know whether you thought you should just power through and get to a better place, a better mindset before taking that next step and making it. There is no better place. There's never a better place. You think, you think, oh, you're, this is like, like every cliche, everything of like, if I just get this, then everything's going to be easier. No, no, no. (laughs) You're going to get that done. And there's going to be 10 more problems that are going to crop up. There's never perfect timing. There's never a perfect situation. You just need to like start doing things that are going to help you build things to be in a better place in the long term. And you're never going to have enough money or enough anything or enough free time, or it's not going to happen. It's literally not ever going to happen. So just like start doing what you need to do. Yeah. See, I think that's really good advice. And a lot of people don't have the guts to say it. So one of the, I think we get that as consultants, we are not really, we're going to tell you what to do, but we're not always going to be able to coach you on making the decisions that you need to make. And I don't just mean you, I just mean in general, our liability is high. You know, we have to make sure we're protecting your business. So we have to have the CEOs make these decisions for themselves. So I'm really glad you said that because I'd love to give that advice to people, (laughs) but I can't always do it. And I I think in the beginning, in the intro of this episode, I really wanted to drive home the point that the negative impact can be exponentially higher when you're keeping somebody in a role that isn't right for them because it affects other people on your team. It not only affects your bottom line, but it affects your culture, which can be really hard to repair. And so obviously I would hope that people would take your advice in that in that way, because, you know, our consultant brain is like, there's a lot of other negative impact that could be happening. But I think hearing it from you after you have been in situations where you're responsible for so many people, so many clients, so many tasks, so many things, and learning to make those decisions quick and straightforward. I mean, it really, it helps me to hear that too. I've tried to bend and break and tweak job descriptions to fit people that I already had. And it never works. It never works for me. Mm -mm. So No, it doesn't. And like, you know, the whole saying of like slowing down to speed up or whatever is so true. It's like scary to do, uh, but there's almost always things you can let go of 
mm-hmm. and stop doing that aren't going to like break your business. I have to tell clients this all the time. Like, dude, you not doing this one thing. Like I'm thinking about taking a break from my podcast next month. Cause I'm moving and I've got a lot of shit going on. Like me not doing my podcast for a month is not going to break my business. It, it's okay. Like we, we over inflate the, like the weight of all of these decisions that we make on a daily basis, but actually giving ourselves the space to slow down a little bit and make good decisions for the long term is an absolute game changer. It's just hard to do. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to do in the moment because we think everything is super important, but it's just, it's not. And it's going to be better just to slow down, do some hard shit, build, for, build for what you need, which is often the hardest part to figure out is like what you actually need. And that's why you have to slow down to figure it out. Because if you're hastily trying to like piece shit together, it's going to be bad. It's always mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, now I need to like ask you something else because I want to end on an up and up note. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, it's it's so true. And I think it comes up a lot because we I want to absolve like our listeners and you and me and anyone from feeling that pressure to do everything all the time, because the people that we're following on Instagram that are telling us that are the people that want us to pay them to do that for them, for us. So at the end of the day, it's really not ever going to be anything personal or anything. Like I remember reading something that was like, if you're going to start a podcast, you just have to be consistent at all costs. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to wait two years to start a podcast then. And what good did that do? Like it didn't do any good. So I just, I think we all learn this the hard way and just realize that we consume most of our content on social media. And most of the stuff we're seeing on social media is trying to sell us something. hundred percent of the stuff you're seeing on social media is trying to sell you something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, whether you're doing it ethically or unethically, or your voice is different than someone else, that is all great information. But at the end of the day, the way you build your team, the way you build your business has to work for you and what other people tell you are important tell you is important isn't actually what's important to making yeah, your not business. always I always tell people two things there's no right or wrong way to do any of this and you have to experiment with it that's mm-hmm. it anything yeah. else that anyone's trying to sell you and tell you that you have to do is probably not true because there is no right or wrong way to do it and you just have to try it and experiment with it and figure it out as you go it's that simple that's all businesses Yeah. And okay. So in order to like really make sure that we're getting everybody everything they need, can you talk a little bit about the different programs that you offer and especially your coaching? Cause I think people got a little bit of free coaching here um, and how they can work with you and what sets you apart. Because honestly, instead of just the follow me on Instagram thing, I think people really do need to know about you and what you do. Um, It's it's just a different way of approaching hiring and team that I think is super helpful to make sure that we're both doing our part to not have women hold back from expanding their business and know what their yeah. resources are. Yeah, totally. Um, so we have several ways that we work with people. I think it's interesting too, that we, we did eventually figure out that we have a really collaborative, um, business because, I see a lot of times people work with us and then we get to them to the point where it's like, okay, well now you need to bring on an employee and we can supplement you with the stuff that you don't want to have to find like this crazy unicorn, like specialized employee for. Um, and it can be kind of this perfect balance of having access to a team of contractors and also having a like really stable there every day employee. And I actually see more and more of my clients kind of getting to that point where they're like, okay, well now I need to hire someone just to like handle this admin type stuff and you guys to do all of the higher level specialized tasks. 
And I think that works out really cool because then they need both of us. But yeah. um, we have lots of different ways that we work with clients. We I, I do one-on-one -on -one consulting uh, with folks. We have a mastermind that combines uh, you know, work with me from like a COO standpoint, individual work, um, group work, and then implementation by my team. So when anyone works with us on the implementation side, they get access to our whole team, however they want to use their time with our team, which I think is really cool because one month it could be, we're rewriting a whole sales page for you and doing a bunch of copy related stuff. And the next month it could be all tech. The next month it could be, you know, writing up all of your client onboarding SOPs, whatever it is, like there's so much flexibility. And that is the thing that makes what we do really unique is that you get to tap into everyone on our team and then you get it combined with strategy. So it's not just you going and hiring a VA and still having to figure it all out yourself. And it's also not you just hiring a coach and then telling you all of these these things that you should do, but then you're not really knowing how to actually get it done. So it combines those two worlds in a really unique way that I honestly like haven't seen. I haven't seen that as a thing mm -hmm. literally ever. So what we do is very unique. And, and on the mastermind side, usually that's like a smaller amount of implement implementation for women making like hundred thousand to like $400,000 a year. And then our COO team and, and that type of stuff, that side of the business is way deeper in the weeds on implementation. So we're working with clients for like 30 hours a month and we're managing a lot more parts of their business. So there's a big, a big range in what we do. We have a membership. If people just want to like tap into our team's brains and like get access to me every week. So lots of different options. Yeah, that is really unique. I have not seen anything like that. And I thought it was really cool. And to be really clear, when we were not sure if we were competitors or not, I think it was more so in like a really like pigeonholed person that we were thinking about versus we, yes, my content is very employee driven because I think that's where there's a lacking in our industry to help people be mm -hmm. educated and understand HR and employees. But they're the perfect team really is a core team of employees and a bunch of specialists that can help cater to the individual needs of the business. And it goes perfectly together because actually hiring an employee to work for you three hours a month to, you know, maximize your email newsletter. First of all, that's probably not an employee in the first place based on like qualifications. And second of all, you're just hiring someone to work for you. That's not engaged in your business or part of your culture at all. So why invest? Like it's makes so much more sense to have there be a good mixture of employees and contractors until you get to a level that we are not talking to, you know, I'm not talking yeah. to those companies that have an on staff HR person. I'm not talking to those companies that have an extra 120 grand lying around to have me come and work for their business to make sure they're not screwing themselves over on multi-state laws. So yeah. there's so much that we can do. And I think that's changed a lot over COVID too. Just people picking up gig work and things like that. There are so many kick-ass contractors out there. We just want to make sure we're treating them fairly. And that's really the, the like impetus of this entire episode is contractors are not less than because they don't have an employee mindset. They're just different. And if we have somebody that wants to be a contractor, we have to treat them fairly, not misclassify them and not F over the long-term business model that we have because we end up with 35 grand in penalties at the end of the year. But that's just, you know, maybe we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. That's a way super positive note. Let's leave it there. You're right. Glad you, glad you started that. <laughs> well, I doubt the people that are getting the penalties are really going to love this episode anyway, because they don't care about the livelihoods of the people that work for them. So 
anyways, um, that's, that's all we've got. Anything. I mean, we will include all of your links in the show notes, but let's say somebody's at their point where they're like, Oh, that program sounds amazing to pay for the strategy and implementation. How would they, would they be best reaching out to you on a DM or filling something out on your website? Um, Probably DMs. I hang out on Instagram. I don't consume content, but I have lots of conversations there. So if you have questions, you want to chat with me, DM me on Instagram. You can also send me an email. Everything, all the info is on my website. You can go get my service guide, all the things. Easyscaling.com. Yay. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you. This is fun. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.